Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. Ravi, I, I had a just a doctor's appointment yesterday, just a, a physical, you know, that period where the nurse comes in and they do a bunch of stuff and then they're like, the doctor will be in in a minute. And it's usually a few minutes. During that time, I was like, oh, I got a few minutes. I think I'll meditate for a moment. Popped open Headspace. It was probably a lot more productive than just scrolling Twitter for 10 minutes. And, you know, Headspace does that for you. It's just this daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in, in an easy to use app. Yeah. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. And the stuff for falling asleep, like there's a winding down one that I, I've basically gotten memorized. Well, Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Who doesn't want that? Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. And they make it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. And and I that last part, absolutely right. Like I was a person who could not imagine meditating a few years ago, and now it's like a very big part of my life. And it's because Headspace eased me into it. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. You go to headspace.com slash M54. That's headspace.com slash M54 for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash M54 today. I'm Jason Kander, and this is Majority 54, the podcast that helps Americans who voted for progress convince those who didn't to join our majority. Robbie, what's been going on this week? Well, Biden uh, officially, uh, his results have been certified by the Electoral College. I guess this is another chance to celebrate this victory. I don't know how many times we could celebrate it, Jason, but, but why not? You know, I mean, I've run out of beer. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. What to, you know, and I only had two to start with. So, you know, it reminds me, I, uh, I touched down in Sardinia, Italy in the summer of 2006 when they won the World Cup, the day they won the World Cup. And this kind of reminds me, they, they for a month would find new opportunities to celebrate. And I think this is kind of what we're doing here is just keep finding ways to talk about the fact that Biden won because the other side keeps claiming he didn't. I, you know, I think one thing to reflect on right now is that when this episode drops, I believe there will be 34 days left until uh, we have a new president. And that's not very long. That's not a lot. Yeah. That's not a lot. Because it, it feels like Trump's been president for like 100 years. Yeah. And in 34 days, he will not be president anymore. That'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> well, uh, 
it can't come soon enough. And one of the reasons why it can't come soon enough is that we're in the middle right now of a major effort to vaccinate our populations. Uh, the first American received uh, her vaccination earlier this week. My mom and brother are both going to receive their vaccines in the next week or so because my mom's a healthcare worker and my brother works in the federal corrections system. And on the same day that the U.S. began inoculating our population, we passed 300,000 deaths. And this is more than any other country in the world. And, and in case you didn't know that, we are not the most populous country in the world. So this is a pretty damning fact about uh, where we are as a society right now and what our government's been doing. There's that graphic out there that I'm sure most people have seen, but I, I think it's worth mentioning because it's so striking where it has, you know, the most deadly days in American history. And it's like, you know, got Civil War, 9-11, you know, all this stuff ranked. And then when you get to like number five, it's like Thursday, you know, last Tuesday. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so crazy that what can become normal and what, but we're living through just, a, just a really horrific time as far as, uh, well, as far as anything. Yeah. And certain experts like Bill Gates, are saying that the worst is yet to come in the next few months, even as we begin to vaccinate. And and one of the reasons why that's potentially true is because not everybody is on board with getting a vaccine. So the, the Kaiser Foundation uh, put out a report this week that showed just how deep the distrust is of the vaccine. And it found that on different segments of either side, we have major skepticism of vaccines. So it found that there's the deepest distrust of the vaccine is uh, among Republicans in rural areas, uh, and then Black Americans on the left, and it found that there's higher percentage of distrust in those two populations, but for very different reasons. So Black Americans are more likely to not want to take the vaccine because they think that they could get COVID from the vaccine, whereas Republicans have a different set of arguments. They distrust the vaccine because of a combination of libertarian reasons, government control reasons, et cetera. 15% in total of people in this in this survey, and I've seen surveys that show this higher, but 15% say they under no circumstances would take this vaccine. Uh, and so, Jason, the question for you is, this seems like it's going to be, and the, the report's author actually said this is going to, this is the biggest challenge we face as a country, and it certainly seems like it's going to be the biggest challenge facing the Biden administration, at least in its first year, is just trying to get a handle on this distrust of the vaccine. What, if anything, can Biden be doing either now or as soon as he takes office to help fight this? Well, I think it, it helps to, to think about the fact that a few months from now, things will be a lot different, right? And, and one of the biggest things is right now, the vaccine isn't, is still, even though like some Americans, it's been administered to them, it's still kind of an abstract idea at the moment, right? And it's going to become a reality. And any, anytime something then becomes a reality and it sort of starts to permeate society, like that, that is going to move the ball forward on its own. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, like just when it's something people are doing, something people are talking about the, you know, I went, I got the vaccine, here was my experience. It won't be abstract anymore. Like when your school is asking for, you know, a form showing that your kid has been vaccinated with the COVID vaccine or your doctor's talking to you about it, uh, that's going to help to mainstream it. But I think one of the biggest things is going to be just demonstrating it, right? Like the president getting the vaccine on TV. I'm, I'm talking President Biden because I don't think we have a lot of hope that, that President Trump would do that, right? But Yeah, especially um, since he it, had COVID already. I mean, any chances that he oh, would yeah, have taken it already. There's no way. I forgot. Oh, my God. That's so upsetting. He's absolutely going to be a vaccine denier. Oh, shit. Well, and anyway, to be clear, that, he was a vaccine denier before he was president. Right. Uh, he, so that's he, totally right. 
Oh God! I, <laughs> I forgot that he already had COVID. There's, I, you know, I was in my mind sort of holding out, like, well, you know, maybe he is also a very selfish guy. So maybe, but no, he's already had it. He he's he thinks he's immune. God. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I I but I think you know everybody from Fauci to like LeBron James, like getting you know very publicly getting the vaccine, and then there's some stuff that because I, I was thinking about this today, like really this is one where it's not like you know things in politics where there's a certain percentage of the population we just don't have to convince like that's really not true here like we have to convince people uh who are in trump's base to do this and i think that's where you're going to have to use a lot of influential people who are influential in that in, in that part of society i mean not to sound like really cliche and simple but like nascar drivers and country stars and athletes yeah. but but then also people like ben shapiro and and I think we're going to have to revisit some of our traditional norms about what's okay on, you know, pushing public information. Like, look, somebody's going to need to pay Ben Shapiro to advertise for one of the vaccines. No, I'm with you. But here, here's the challenge that I've been thinking about is in any normal circumstance, the tools that you would use in a normal reality can backfire, right? If you're Joe Biden and the more you talk about this, the more the right is going to have distrust of you, right? And so it's like, what are the tools that you have at your disposal here? And you're right. You have to go to the other side. And the question is, are they going to, are they going to play ball? So Tucker Carlson went on his show the other day and said that mandatory vaccination would be a legitimate crisis. Not the, not the COVID legitimate crisis, the vaccination would be a crisis. And then if you look at other right-wing media, like Newsmax or Infowars, like there's this woman, um, a high profile right-wing uh, media personality named Deanna Lorraine, who like like flirts with the QAnon folks, she said, "You know, Trump probably eighty percent of your base does not want that vaccine. They're not willing to take a foreign rushed substance and jab it into our arms. I don't care who takes it. I don't care if Jesus takes it. I'm not taking the vaccine." Yeah, so I think that the only vaccine for what is afflicting these people is money. And and you know what I was thinking about was. I don't know if you remember this. You remember this guy Armstrong Williams? Yeah. Uh, the pilot. Yeah. Remember? So I had to Google this to really because I had a vague recollection of it. So I had to Google it to to really uh, get the details again. But back in 2005, when the Bush administration was pushing No Child Left Behind, and there was a lot of skepticism, uh, particularly there was a lot of skepticism on the right. They paid a consulting firm to do PR for uh, the adoption of it, and then that consulting firm paid a bunch of money to Armstrong Williams, who then ended up writing some op-eds about it. And he ended up going on like his radio and his TV show to talk about it. And it was a big scandal. And I'm not suggesting that the government uh, should in this case, like be paying the Sean Hannity's and the, you know, Tucker Carlson's or whatever that other lady is of the world to, you know, hawk the vaccine. But I definitely think it's in the interest of the pharmaceutical companies that have enormous advertising budgets to, you know, spend some money convincing these people to like have their own vaccine that they're pushing. Like, like one, I don't remember which one it is. One of these comes out of warp speed, right? Like why, if I'm, if I'm that company, why not push the idea that, well, this is the Trump vaccine. This is yeah. the one the Trump administration We've go there. created. Yeah. And, and shout out to Tina Nguyen, a friend of mine, who's a reporter for Politico who had an article today uh, where she, she very explicitly laid out the contradiction on the right right now between folks who are both saying that Trump deserves credit for the vaccine, but who say that it's a conspiracy and they don't want to take it. Uh, but I agree with you. 
you know, I think this would violate federal law, but it would be funny and probably effective if Bill Gates just went to Trump and it was like, hey, I'll give you $100 million, get you out of whatever trouble you're in financially, which maybe $100 million won't even do it. But I need you to aggressively be on the PR train for this vaccine. And we can call it the Trump vaccine, like we can brand it, whatever. But I think that would violate law while he's president, but maybe after he's president. Yeah, but in know? 34 days, that's just a, I mean, you know, Bob Dole lost the election and started doing ads for Coca-Cola and Viagra. I mean, like. Oh, I remember. It, I uh, Yeah. I think it, it those like, ads seeped into my nightmares. Courage, something shared by countless Americans. The point I want to make is there are many treatments available for ED. So my advice is get a medical checkup. It's the best way to get educated about ED and what can be done to treat it. It may take a little courage, but I've always found that everything worthwhile does. In general, I guess my point is like, we're going to buy the allegiance to actual like public health of these people who are only out for themselves. I think that's ultimately what's going to have to happen. And, and, and I feel bad because that is not a piece of advice that we're giving to the listeners about what they can do. And in that vein, you know, you and I had a conversation about this on the pod last week, and we got this great voicemail that I think is a really important and honest question that a lot of people who might agree with us politically still have. So let's listen to that. Hi guys. Um, really Big fan of the show, like show, been listening for a long time. I did want to talk about the COVID vaccine conversation that you guys had last week. Um, I start off, uh, I, I live in small town, Missouri, um, and I'm, I'm pretty middle of the road politically. Um, I'm definitely not an anti-vaxxer, but I, I understand why, um, you guys talked about taking the vaccine as a positive thing. I totally agree that in typical circumstances, taking the vaccine is a positive thing. It is. Um, but I also, during Trump's administration, have lost faith in a lot of the organizations we're supposed to trust based around whether or not this vaccine is, <laughs> is safe and is actually going to be effective. There's been reports of Trump bullying the CDC and the FDA to get things done around um, COVID as, you know, shortening the quarantine period so people could go back to school. Um, later reports are that he is bullying the FDA and approving that vaccine. The vaccine itself has been rushed. Um, so not so much um, <laughs> how to convince a relative or a friend on this subject. Just curious if you could change my mind. Um, Anyways, again, love the show. Keep it up. Have a good day. Well, I can go first on this one. You don't have to just take our institution's word for it. There are multiple governments that, you know, the UK, for example, uh, which actually approved uh, their first vaccine before we did. There, there are a lot of governments out there that have approved it as well. And so I do think there's a crowdsourcing aspect to this. And, and then I also think that Despite all the noise in the system around the approval of this vaccine and the fact that it, it was more, a more aggressive timeline than, it, than it's ever happened before, it still went through the approval process of civil servants and the scientific community, and I still trust them. And there hasn't been any credible evidence out there that uh, anybody bent to the will of Trump here to get that passed. And I think as evidence of that, we actually waited until after the UK approved their first vaccine and, and way after when Russia approved their first vaccine, which we'll talk about in a bit. So there's a lot of evidence out there that the scientific community actually 
hung on and waited till the time was right to approve this vaccine. Yeah, it's so sad that Trump didn't just sour people on politics and he didn't just sour people on his approach to governing, but that he's caused us as a society to lose so much faith in like government, right? Like that is just something to reflect on for a moment. And there's a lot of repairs to be done as far as that goes. But the good news, I think picking up where you left off, while yes, there's obviously been a lot of pressure from Trump, it appears to me that that pressure has largely been ineffective. Like the the political appointees tried, uh, but at the end of the day, like you said, the civil servants and the CDC and the FDA have remained pretty independent. And I think the best evidence for that is that the vaccine did not come out before the election. Like if you think about the timeline, uh, you know, we're we're not that far removed still from the election. And if 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 he had effectively pressured them to do what he wanted, well, if you're going to give in to the pressure from the president, like you're in for a dime in for a dollar, you're going to do what actually makes him happy and what he wanted, which is to make a big announcement about a vaccine prior to the election. And they didn't do that because scientifically they weren't prepared to do that at that point. So I hope that assuages some folks' concerns. And also, you know, if that doesn't do it, and I think your point, Ravi, about foreign governments is a really good one as well. But if none of that does it, like the good news is for the typical person, a lot of people will have already gotten this vaccine before it gets to you, right? I mean, the healthcare workers, the frontline folks, people like, you know, Ravi's mom and his brother, you know, they're going to be the first people to get it, which by the way, is just another way in which those people are, are serving all of us. And I think it sounds like, I believe for this caller and for a lot of people who feel this way, it's not a question of whether they're going to get it. I think it's a question of when, which I get, right? I mean, like we live in a world where we've been trained that like you don't get the first, you know, new tech product. You wait because they're going to get the bugs out. You know, like that's what people are used to. Um, but I read one scientist who who said like typically he'd feel more comfortable if there had been like six months of phase three testing. Uh, and you know the emergency authorizations came after a couple of months of it, and and he said, but that said, I'm going to get it. But if you follow that logic, by the time the typical American is able to go get this vaccine, we're probably at four to six months of phase three testing. We're probably at a much more traditional place and a whole lot of people in the population having it. And then here's my last argument to our caller, which is that if you don't trust any of that stuff, I'm not going to ask you to trust the pharmaceutical companies. I certainly don't. But I do think you can trust their fear of the legal process, because at the end of the day, they know that while there is a potential huge financial windfall of being one of the first ones to get a vaccine out there, if you go too early and you hide things and you manipulate the information and a bunch of and, and people die, you're out of business. I mean, you're talking class action lawsuit that goes beyond bankruptcy. And frankly, I would think not just in this country where it'd be harder, but in other countries, there would be some executives that would go to prison for that. And so that gives me a lot of comfort as well. Yeah. You know, one other piece here for our listener is that Pfizer wasn't a part of Operation Warp Speed, so it was probably more immune from pressure from the Trump administration, didn't take money from the Trump administration for this, from what I understand. Uh, so that could give a little bit of extra comfort to our caller. And, you know, picking back up a conversation that you and I had a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Senate uh, and the House are, seems like, uh, moving closer to a deal for a $900 billion stimulus package. And we don't need to talk about it a lot because I'm sure once, if, if and once something is passed, we can talk about what's in it. But it seems like at least what's publicly being disclosed right now is that uh, there was basically a deal that's been made now where 
Democrats agreed to drop their insistence on uh, an aid to state and local governments, while Republicans insisted to drop their insistence on liability protection. Jason, what do you think about that bargain? I think it's a necessary evil. I mean, it, it sucks, you know. Um, but if I were if I were in these negotiations, I think that's what you'd have to do. And then you you got to figure, okay, we're, maybe we're going to get another bite at the apple as far as uh, aid to state and local governments. But um, because the liability protection thing is so awful uh, and and will cause a lot of damage. Uh, and, but you you can go back possibly and get the aid to state and local governments, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, more of a reason for us to win Georgia. And I think politically, we have got to make that point in Georgia, which is this is what the two sides fought for and ostensibly what either side could get depending on the, the stakes of this election. It's a great point, man. Like, I mean, there's stuff that cannot be paid for in Georgia right now and in a lot of other states. And it's it's everything from education to, you know, cops to, you know, firefighters. And I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, it is a question of are we going to pay for this stuff? And uh, I mean, we have bill. It's not just we have bills to pay. Like, are we going to continue to have this stuff? There's an article in the Kansas City Star this morning about the fact that the moratorium on evictions is about to expire, uh, you know, the, the ones that are in place at the end of the year. So if they don't get this done, if we don't get some relief done, like, and probably even if they do, but it's going to be even worse, you're looking at ringing in the new year with a whole rash of homelessness. So it, it literally goes back to this thing I keep saying about what is the point of being the wealthiest nation in human history if you can't pay the rent during a pandemic? Like, it's literally can't pay the rent during a pandemic. So I, you know, wish that there weren't compromises that had to be made to get this across the finish line. And I wish that the Republicans were not people who forced those kind of compromises. But at the end of the day, like, you're up against it. There's a bunch of people who are about to be homeless. And we can't be a country that is super wealthy and yet unwilling to help pay the rent. There's not a lot of great things to take from 2020 into 2021, but the Helix mattress is is one of them, and that's good. So, look, to get the mattress that's perfect for you, you take the super quick Helix sleep quiz that both Ravi and I took. It matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Uh, after you've taken the quiz and you've matched your dream mattress, you can add on sheets and pillows or whatever else you need, and it's all shipped right to your door. You don't have to go to a mattress store. Helix is pretty great. I mean, I know you've heard us talk about it, but you don't got to take our word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Those are two pretty different magazines. So, I mean, you're getting a pretty wide spectrum of the mattress opinion-making world there. So you just go to helixsleep.com slash majority54. You take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. It's got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And if you don't like it, they'll pick it up for you. But you're not going to have that problem because you're going to love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash majority54. Earlier this year, more than 100 Twitter users got their accounts hacked into passwords, email addresses, phone numbers, and more from high-profile people like Joe Biden, Elon Musk, Kanye West. These kinds of attacks are getting more frequent and more severe, and it's not just Twitter. Facebook, eBay, Uber, Adobe, Yahoo, they've all had leaked data such as passwords, credit card info, and driver's licenses belonging to billions of users. So if somebody can hack Joe Biden, just imagine how easy it would be for them to hack you. 
Yeah, and that's why I use ExpressVPN to safeguard my personal data online. And so ExpressVPN, you know, what they do for you listeners is it funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel so that no matter what device you use, you can have the peace of mind every time you use the internet. And the app connects in just one click. It's lightning fast. And the best part is ExpressVPN works on up to five devices simultaneously so you and your whole family can stay protected. And if you visit expressvpn.com majority54 right now, you can arm yourself with an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. ExpressVPN.com slash majority54. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash majority54. Visit expressvpn.com slash majority54 to learn more. All right, quarantine corner. Jason, what's going on in your world? Okay, so I did this uh, podcast a couple weeks ago that's just really fun called The Podcast, and it's Joe Pisnanski and Mike Schur. And then I, I was honored. They invited me to do, they, they do drafts. They just draft random things, and they drafted holiday movies. One of the guys on on the episode, Brandon McCarthy, who's a former uh, Major League pitcher, his holiday movie was the movie Family Man, which I had completely forgotten about. And it's like technically a holiday movie because it takes place at Christmas, but we had a wide interpretation. I mean, for instance, I picked Independence Day as the number one overall pick because that's technically a holiday movie. But anyway, Family Man, uh, the, oh, it's a Nicolas Cage T. Leone movie. And he said that and I was like, oh man, I did really enjoy that movie. And the last no, it was few a days, great da- movie. I remember that movie. Yeah. Didn't it have Dennis Quaid in it too, maybe? Or, or, no. No? I'm thinking uh, of no, it had, it had Jeremy Piven. Um, and, uh, which I'm being generous, obviously not who you're mistaking for Dennis Quaid, but, <laughs> but, um, anyway, but you know what? It's one of those movies that it seems like it would have had Dennis Quaid. It came around out around that time. It sort of was good. Like and then it was a good movie, right? It's like, a feel yeah, good movie. it was yeah, like, yeah. and it was like, and it's like, it's like a Christmas carol, but different and like, like really different, but you know, the same basic theme. So anyway, it's just funny. There are all these movies that are so great that we've kind of forgotten about. And that was one of them. So in the last few days, you know, I watched it and then Diana saw me watching part of it and got interested. So she watched it. So I ended up watching it like one and a half times in the last few days. It's just a good movie. So, you know, that's my quarantine corner. Well, uh, I have decent internet now, so I'm going to add that to the quiver. I have big stuff going on this week. Tomorrow, which is Thursday when this podcast drops, uh, we are publicly announcing at Arena um, my plans to roll off of the staff as the leader of the organization and onto the board, which will be effective at the end of February. And you know this, I've been you know talking about doing this for a while. I always knew that after this election, uh, if things worked out reasonably okay, that this would be a good opportunity to take a step away. But it's a, it's a big moment, you know, and uh, it, I kept thinking that it was a long time away before I'd be making this announcement and then all of a sudden it's here. Well, congratulations, man. I mean, you you built an organization. You know that you were successful in building something when you can step away from it. And I mean, because I'm in the same, I'm on the board of Let America Vote. And it's it's a really gratifying thing. So it's really important what you did. And it's, it's uh, really cool that it has that kind of staying power. All right. Well, this week in misinformation, uh, we're going to come back to the vaccination discussion, but we're going to, we're going to go international, Jason. We were trading some articles about just Russian misinformation about the vaccination, and it's not just affecting America. Russia had a vaccine that they approved way earlier than anybody else before it even started phase three, not before they wrapped up phase three trials, but before they even started it. And they call it Sputnik V, which should tell you a lot about how they view this. It's a PR thing 
it's like, you know, going to space, whatever. They're trying to show that they have gravitas internationally. They've been making headway in Africa where the stakes are very high. African news outlets seem to have a huge proclivity to say positive things about a, an untested Russian vaccine, even at the expense of more effective and more proven vaccines. One of the other findings here, the domestic finding, Russia is feeding misinformation in the United States on many issues, but particularly on vaccinations. And their whole goal is to divide us. To our weekend presidential brief with CNN national security analyst Samantha Vinograd. Uh, Sam, unfortunately, along with this move in the right direction with this vaccine being authorized, we're also seeing a spike in misinformation surrounding COVID vaccines. What are the security risks associated there? Every American needs to be on heightened alert for Russian disinformation attacks right now. For years, well before the COVID-19 pandemic, Russia has spread disinformation about public health crises and about vaccines here in the United States. This pandemic period has been no different. The Kremlin has launched global multi-pronged disinformation operations about the virus, and the UK has specifically accused Russia of spreading disinformation to undermine confidence in Western vaccines. That's why, as the vaccine is rolled out, Russia will undoubtedly step up efforts to sow doubt about it. One thing that I, that I found interesting, because I was a kid in the 80s, I didn't know about this. They were pushing misinformation in the 80s about AIDS, saying it was uh, a, a government-created disease meant for, I don't even know what, what their sort of end story was, but uh, they've been at this for a while. They apparently did it with Ebola as well. Um, and they've also, there was news this week that they've been hacking into various government, U.S. government systems uh, that relate to COVID. So, uh, and, and the U.K. is dealing with this too. Apparently, they've been pushing misinformation about the Oxford University vaccine. I mean, it's, at some point, they need to get their comeuppance. And I'm hoping the Biden administration is able to marshal the horses to, to push real sanctions and penalties on Russia for this kind of behavior. The, the concern, right, is that Russia is going to, just like they did in the 2016 election and just like they do on a regular basis anyway in America, use disinformation to destabilize things here and around the, around the world. And so obviously there's huge stakes to the idea that if, if they then are pushing disinformation about vaccines in America, clearly we've learned that that's something that there's a segment of our society is really susceptible to. And so we have to be on the lookout for it. And I, I was thinking about this. I think the surest way to debunk that stuff as it's coming in and to call it out for people in your life is, and I think this is just a really important thing about disinformation generally, is you got to assign motive. Like it's not enough, like sure with like you and me, because we already have our own views about Russia and we, we believe that they, you know, interfered in the election in 16 with with disinformation like with with you and me or a lot of people we know like it's not that hard to just say well yeah it's russian disinformation well okay we get it but if you don't if you don't automatically accept that like you've got to assign motive and so for the first motive for russia here is very obvious right they have their own vaccine like you said they named it sputnik because they view it as a race and they want to win the race just like with the space race right so that's the first, like they don't want you to take any of these vaccines that are available in America because they, they want the Russian vaccine to be successful. And then the bigger one that I think is obvious uh, to us, but you got to get across to people is that they want to weaken us economically. And what's going to weaken us economically more than if we're unable to come out of the pandemic. And what I like about that motive, by the way, is that you don't have to subscribe to any particular political ideology. Like you, it doesn't say, 
oh, well, you're a Trump supporter. You should know Russia wants Trump to win. Like, it's not that harder case to make. It's just this other country happens to be Russia is competing with us economically and doesn't want us to recover economically. And they know that if we don't take the vaccine and we don't come out of the pandemic, we won't recover. It's just very straight up. Like they're an economic competitor and they don't want us to recover. Jason, we have some awards to give out. I'm really excited for this first one. We have a new award. Yes. And we were kicking around what to call it. I'm going to go with the thirsty award. Um, I like, I like and it. here's what it is. I, I probably a lot of people saw this by now. Um, but it, you know, Representative Dan Crenshaw from Texas, he's the wounded and decorated uh, Navy SEAL who did this video uh, that's like an action hero video where he is parachuting into Georgia and all that. What do we got? Well, it's not over in Georgia. The Senate races went to a runoff. What are we up against? You'll never believe this. Far-left activists are attempting to gain full and total control of the U.S. government. Your mission will be to rally support across Georgia behind these American patriots. What's our situation on the ground? We have two patriots down there, Senator Loeffler and Senator Perdue. Great fighters with a great message. They just need a little backup. Here's my take on this. Like My, my first thing watching this was as a former candidate who has shot a lot of ads before. Uh, I'm just amazed that the dude didn't feel ridiculous. And, and like when I have had to do ads, and there haven't been a lot of times, like if you look back at most of my ads, it's just mostly just me to camera because that's what I'm comfortable with. But you also, if you look back at them, you'll see a lot of B-roll, right? Which is the closest I ever got to acting in any of my ads. And the B-roll is like, there's no sound. It's just like, you're acting like you're giving a speech. You're acting like you're meeting people for the first time. And it's like people you know, and you're all wearing makeup. And I just always felt extremely self-conscious doing that. If my ad guy had ever come to me and been like, look, here's the deal. We're going to make up a story where you're a superhero and you're going to come off stage and you're going to, you know, basically change into your superhero outfit. And then you're going to pretend to be Iron Man. I would be like, I would throw up. And I don't mean like out of disgust. I mean, like out of just awkwardness and nervous. I would, there was no way I would ever do that. So first I just watched this and thought, how did he do this and not just feel completely ridiculous? So that was my first thought, but I didn't like find the first part objectionable. And then you get to the part where it's like pretty good production value, to be honest. Like, you know, he's jumping out of the plane and he's got like the whole Jarvis Iron Man thing going. I was like, okay, I get it. You know, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing here. You're thirsty to be relevant. You're a member of the House and there's a race going on for Senate in Georgia. Like, man, I'm not going to judge you for that. Like, I was a politician too. Control, what's the situation at the LZ? Good evening, sir. Rather lovely form, if I may say so. But we do have a small problem at the landing zone so-called anti-fascists are patrolling the area. I want to say hello to the greeting party. But where it goes too far for me is when he lands and he's like going to punch through the windshield of these Antifa guys. And he's clearly trying to marshal people to like show up in force to prepare to be violent. And the reason it irritates me is because like 
You didn't have to do that, dude. You were making a, co a completely like fine, ridiculous, but fine and entertaining cosplay or however you say that video. And you could have just parachuted out and landed and started phone banking and knocking on doors. Like, why do you got to <laughs> land and, and you're fighting it's people? It's true. You know, why be part yeah. of the problem as far as like inciting violence? And to and, me, that's where I was like, this is this is too much. And dude lost his eye in combat. And, and I and thank him. I thank him for that. Uh, you know, like and as a veteran, I know like we 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 honor that sacrifice. At some point, you've proved your manhood. Like, you know, like, like right. you, you don't have anything to prove with us, right? You know, if you've ever been scolded by a former teacher or like a, a relative or somebody has commented on something online that just makes you feel really, really dumb, uh, you might be able to get into Dan Crenshaw's world because Tony Thomas, who is the head of Special Operations Command, while Crenshaw served, so this is like a pretty badass guy who probably was, you know, somebody I would hope uh, Crenshaw looked up to. Tony wrote this. Watch this twice now. I was sure it must be an SNL or Comedy Central skit. Nope. Just the base level of our political environment slipping each succeeding day. There's a reason 100 million people opted not to vote again this year. Embarrassing. And here's the thing. like, I, I feel like there's a version of Dan Crenshaw that's maybe two years ago, three years ago that would be really bothered by that. And my guess is, is that he's buried that version so deep within himself that he reads that and just writes it off as he doesn't understand. He doesn't live in this world. He, he doesn't do what I do for a living. He doesn't get it, which is too bad um, because like, I'm not saying that it would like, I'm not like, dude, you made a huge mistake, uh, Dan Crenshaw. Like, I think this is going to work for you. Yeah, I mean, no, no consequences from this other than in his own conscience, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you were thirsty and this is going to achieve your goal. Like, congratulations. I just look at it and I'm like, man, like you don't actually have to be irresponsible with it. Like you could be a leader and accomplish your goal. Like you don't have to land and be fighting people. Right. Like, like you said, nobody doubts that you can fight like land and by the way, more effective, right? Like, what do you want people to do? You want people to go there and volunteer. You don't want them to show up and fight. So like land and make some phone calls and knock on some doors or whatever. Like, yeah. it's odd to me. You can even be Iron Man doing it. Like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Iron Man can make phone calls and knock on doors. There is a reason that I felt so uncomfortable and that most politicians, including, I think, in many points in this video, Dan Crenshaw, come across as so awkward and it makes us feel weird when we watch this because we're not actors. And I've made this point a lot before, but like if we were actors, we'd be actors, but instead we're politicians. And if you're not a good actor, like don't be an actor. We as Americans, we see so much good acting that when we see bad acting, it makes us uncomfortable. And that's what made me uncomfortable watching this. Just like when I watch, my son watches a lot of stuff on YouTube, like stuff made for his age that obviously is using actors that are uh, discount. And like, if you've ever watched Power Rangers, very entertaining, not good acting, and it makes you uncomfortable. And How that's dare like, you? How dare you? I mean, no, good show, uh, but like, it's kidding, not the best ass. actors. It makes me uncomfortable. By the way, I just realized, like, as as I was watching it, there's a a, a stocky, uh, shaved head gentleman in the video, and I was like, where have I seen you know that guy? guy? Yeah, and I was like, is he some sort of actor they pulled in? And I just remembered, I he's a congressman. He's like, and he's like on one of the banking committees, and I know that oh because I know where I know him from. I know him from a swanky restaurant in Washington where. 
I, I was meeting with a bunch of people once during the Senate campaign, and I ended up in this weird situation where McCarthy and that guy and a couple others came in and just saw that there were like rich people sitting with me and were like, I'm a congressman, I'm going to crash this, having no idea that I was the Democratic Senate candidate from Missouri, and he just proceeded to lay out the entire Republican plan on a bunch of stuff, and I just sat there quietly, and that's where I know that guy from. Anyway, that's funny. And you're like, tell me more. Uh, let me get a napkin to write on. Uh, well, let's give a quick award before we wrap this up. Uh, retiring Representative Paul Mitchell of Michigan announced Monday that he's leaving the Republican Party and becoming an independent over his disgust with President Trump's efforts to overturn the election. And we want to give him just a quick uh, Gabriel Sterling Do the Right Thing Award. Now, I want to put a huge caveat in this, which is when I first saw it, I didn't even have to see the retiring part of it because I already knew. Like this happens 100% yeah, like, of the time obviously. to people who are retiring. Now, I, I thought the wanna, same thing when I saw it. Same yeah, thing. it's still good. Better late than never. I, I want to see more people in Congress making points like this. But, you know, it's better than nothing. And I think especially like in Michigan, it was really helpful timing because it was in and around the certification issues and things like that. And ultimately, you know, this is a very small thing to ask, but everybody seems to have done, for the most part, the right thing in certifying the results. And so it kind of came in and around that. You know, this is where we are right now. We we, re- we recognize even if somebody's retiring and, and isn't going to be around to deal with the consequences of it. And you got to build from somewhere. And I guess to give them some credit, we have to recognize that, yes, they're retiring from Congress, but they're not dying. Like, they're right. going back to a community where, you know, all all of their friends are probably Republicans. And, and a lot of the people who, you know, they've always you know, hung out with and who have supported them are going to be mad at them for this. It's going to affect them. They won't be without consequence. So I do appreciate, well, we're not going to assign full credit. We have to give partial credit because they are making a decision that is clearly, I think, one of conscience. There are probably situations where they're like, okay, now that I'm leaving this insanity bubble of Washington and of elected Republican politics, I got to be able to go get a corporate job and not have people look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, so I got to say some you know, reasonable stuff on the way out the door. I, I'm enough of an idealist where I'm going to try to block out that possibility in most of these cases and just believe that these folks are like, well you know, damn the consequences, I'm going to go ahead and say, at least on the way out the door, say the right thing. And it does help. Yeah, you got to put yourself in your head. Would you want to serve in the Republican caucus if you believed what he wrote? Like, he's probably believed it for a while. Like, it would be nice if he said it earlier, but still, like, to ask somebody then, like, Flake is a great example. To ask Flake to then go through a GOP primary where he is 100% going to lose. Going to lose, yes, saying, exactly. Yeah. But I think there are, is Adam Kinzinger, he ran for re-election, right? And I think he's been hitting Trump pretty hard. So kudos to him. Yeah. And, and I feel bad about the fact that I've like been rendered somewhat cynical by this whole process to where when I see people, this is so unfair, right? If they do it as they're retiring, my instinct is like, yeah, sure, you're retiring. If they do it and they're not retiring, my instinct is to assume that they live in a district where that's a smart political move. So, right. and, yeah. and that may be completely unfair to Adam Kinzinger, probably is. But that's what's kind of sad. And so maybe I should just like read a little deeper about these folks and a little benefit of the doubt. All right. It's grabbing ore. Uh, Ravi, you're up. Well, I, I want to plug this organization called Second Chance Studios, which I helped co-found, which is it's just a new organization. We're launching our program in the spring, and it's a nonprofit digital media studio that's going to employ exclusively formerly incarcerated people. And we're about to launch our year-end giving campaign. We're still raising money in startup mode to bring in a staff to be able to see this program through to its execution. So if you want to learn more about it or give, you can go to secondchancestudios.org, secondchancestudios.org, or just Google Second Chance Studios. Great cause. 
I hope you, if you're, if you're giving at the end of the year, you give us some consideration. It's a, it's a C3, so you can, you know, it's, it's tax deductible. I'll just underline this and uh, say, and I think I've said this on here before, the one other time that you've mentioned it, which is that this is one of those things where Ravi texted me an article about this and I was reading it like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, wow, this is neat. Like, I just thought it was like a cool thing and I'm reading it. And then I get to the bottom. It's like, you know, co-founded by Ravi Gupta and somebody else. And it's just yet <laughs> another yet another thing that is part of the experience of being friends with Ravi, which is you're just constantly like, oh, he also did this. So anyway, this is a thing Ravi also did that is really valuable and people should support it. Yeah, and you remind me, like the, the one important thing to mention is that COVID has hit everybody hard, but it's particularly hard for people coming out of the system who low-skilled manual labor, which is often like in-person type of labor service jobs as well, are the types of jobs that they couldn't even, they, they were struggling to get before all this, and those jobs are shrinking anyway. And so this is a population that's particularly hard hit, and so anything we can do is huge here. All right. We have a favor to ask of our listeners. We created a listener survey so that we can get to know all of you a bit better. And we would so appreciate it if you could take a few moments to fill it out and to entice you to take the survey. We are entering anyone who fills it out into a contest to win a free grab an or t-shirt. Ravi and I each have one. It's a great t-shirt. It's a great conversation starter. Uh, we love it when people tag us on social media in theirs. Uh, and you can get one just for filling out the survey. You'll be entered to win one. So you you visit wondermedianetwork.com slash majority54. It's wondermedianetwork.com slash majority54. We would really appreciate it if you do this because it is a big part of us making editorial decisions about how how we proceed with the podcast in the future and we want feedback from the listeners so we can give you the product that you're looking for so thank you for doing it an extra thing that we wanted to do for you all this holiday season headspace gave us a six-month trial when they chose to advertise with us but we've both already been using headspace for a long time so we didn't need it so we decided to give that special six-month code away to one of our listeners so send us voicemails with your best questions and in the new year we're going to pick our favorite one to gift that trial for free but if you can't wait till the new year, you can start using Headspace right away if you go to headspace.com M54. That voicemail again, by the way, if you want to call, it's 508-687-2589. 508-687-2589. As always, you can find us on social media. I'm at Jason Kander on Instagram and Twitter. Ravi is at Ravi M. Gupta on Twitter and Instagram. And our show is at Majority54 on Twitter. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Majority 54 is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and Edie Allard. Theme music provided by Kemet Coleman. And special thanks to Diana Kander. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.